We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome back to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And we can finally talk about some new Lakers. We met a few of them today. A couple of them had their uh, their second go-around in, in the facility. So Lakers have signed Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown Jr., Thomas Bryant, Damian Jones, and Juan Toscano Anderson. So the big move perhaps is kind of still out there. And so we are in kind of this state of limbo, but guys, last year, the vet minimum guys in particular was a thorn in my side and a topic that we talked about a lot. I think that this vet men group in particular is going to win us a few games over the course of the season. We didn't come away with anybody that is playoff tested. So that's something that, you know, we need to get to the playoffs, which we did not last year to have that question, but there is no one of the guys that we picked up that have really a playoff track record. And so that's going to be something that will, as the season goes on, it's going to be interesting to see who emerges and who doesn't. But by and large, I'm very happy with how this went. Lonnie Walker, the Lonnie Walker signing was the one signing where I had a couple of guys ahead of him at that spot that went for the same price tag. But D, give me your thoughts on 2022 free agency for the Lakers. So I think we should start with themes, right? Instead of breaking down individual guys, because I think clearly, Mike, there was a pivot, right? There was a pivot in terms of Pete mentioned last year's veteran minimum guys, and there was a theme with those guys as well, right? There were a lot of veteran types of guys, a lot of former Lakers, um, a couple of guys who were drafted in or around LeBron James's draft year. And so LeBron James is an outlier in terms of how players typically perform at that age. And when you have that much experience and there was a big shift, Mike, and I'd love to, I know you were there today and you've been around the facility and, and you've talked to people around the team. And, and, and so for me, my first thing in terms of my first thought was just, the shift towards youth 
the shift tour. So you talk about like not a lot of playoff testing. It's because some of these guys have only been in the league four or five years, right? And Toscano Anderson, who he was what, a rookie or a second year player this past season, but he's older, but he still doesn't have a lot of NBA experience. And so for me, I'm looking at this as a clear idea that the team may have learned some lessons from last year in terms of youth and athleticism and guys who might play with more motor or have more legs and have more to give on a night-to-night basis. So, Mike, I'd love to kick it to you here just to sort of hit on that point first and just get a sense if that was something that folks have been talking about out loud as something that they were after. Well, first of all, Darius, it's good to see you. I know you're on vacation, and it's a pleasure to actually have you on the screen. That Twitter app been a little hot on the phone, or how much you've been trying to put that thing away while you've been out there at Niagara Falls and such? So look, I've been looking because this is not a busy time for the pod. We have taken some time off, but as that old NBA commercial said, basketball does not stop. And basketball's in my veins. And so have I gotten a couple of side-eye looks? Like, why are you on your phone? Yes, Mike, I have gotten a couple of side-eye <laughs> okay. looks about okay. why am I on my phone? And I have been monitoring free agent movement and yeah. the rumor Extra mill that Pete alluded to. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Yes. All right, cool. Well, Except right. my texts are coming in at like three in the morning for you guys now instead of you know, normal oh, times. I'm I'm sure you're getting them at like, what is D doing texting that, at some random East morning Coast hour? Life, <laughs> that East Coast life for sports is not it. You know, it, that is <laughs> it's not, not. It's not it's it. Not. So, all right, a couple things. Now you hit on some of the themes and certainly the youth, right? And the athleticism, that was a direct goal. And I think that was something that we had talked about. Now, there are a couple of things that are still lacking and there are still some moves to be made um, as Pete alluded to, but just it's a it's a pivot back towards the types of guys even if a bit younger right but the types of guys athletically and physically that they won the title with um the caveat that pete also mentioned with much less experience right than um than a danny green for example or even a kcp at that point of their careers but that at least had to be the starting point and i think that Juan Toscano anderson summarized it pretty well and he is the one guy. So he did, of course, just go through the playoff run with Golden State, but he didn't play much, which, Pete, I, I think I assume you meant, right? He wasn't like he was out there on the floor. That's yeah. what I mean. Is like right. like a main rotation guy, someone who's been there, been right. on a title team or been deep in the playoffs right. like as part of the rotation. For yeah. sure. So, so that, of course, is accurate. But going through that run, though, I think, and also this is just part of how JT is wired, he knows what his job is. You know, he's not – he's coming in here, and he said it. The unicorns are going to be the unicorns. LeBron's going to be LeBron. AD is going to be AD. The rest of us need to be supporting of that. And that's what I think watching last year's team was so frustrating because here, here LeBron and AD doing all the little things and everyone else is like, hey, I'm, I'm over here. I'm ready to shoot. Or, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to die for that loose ball. You know, that's not really the kind of yeah. player that I am. So that kind of thing, I think, with – you know, not that Lonnie Walker specifically was that type of player in San Antonio, but after having spoken to Darvin Ham, that's the kind of guy that he already understands that he needs to be on this team. Now, he also needs to hit shots, but he needs to be one of those dirty work guys. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. from the jump of his interview said, I am here to play a role to support what LeBron and AD specifically are doing out there. 
and Thomas Bryant, same thing. Damian Jones, same thing. So that I think is a good place to start. LeBron AD, and we'll see again about the whole Russ question. But you guys, you guys kind of break down the defense just by being who you are. We're going to go to all the other spots um, that are required to do so. And and I think that's one that's one very clear sea change from last year's roster, Pete. Yeah, a great deal more defensive talent coming in uh, with the vet min- minimum guys, especially in in that respect. And I think that collectively what they form is they've kind of given us an idea of what the shape of the team is going to be. This is something that I talked about last year. I'm I'm fairly certain that we're going to be a big team next year and that AD is going to start at the four. I think the duo of Damian Jones and Thomas Bryant in particular, I love that combination. And I think of them. Especially for vet mints, right? It, exactly. It's almost exactly. like with Lonnie like, Walker. I don't know if that's the, you know, the resource that you would have spent there. But if you're going to tell me that I also get Jones and Thomas Bryant, and then even Toscano Anderson, right, uh, and Troy Brown Jr. on vet mins, and just add those five mm-hmm. up for the contract structure. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care who gets the vet min. Like, that's that's good. I like that. Very much so. And they're complementary, right? Like, one, uh, one of the things that stood out to me is, uh, so Thomas Bryant is one of the few players around the league that I had been around when he was a younger player, like up close, right next to. And then he left for a few years. He came back, and I'm like, this dude's way bigger than he used to be, right? He was just, like, noticeable in person that he's a bigger version of himself. And obviously, you see it on TV, but it's just not quite the same. And so he's that big, that bigger type of big that I suspect would be the early leader to start next to AD um, and the kind of guy that can absorb some of, some of that punishment but can still stretch the floor on the other end, right? And he can still roll to the basket, right? But his main job is to be offensively, is to be a stretch five and kind of versatile, more geared toward the stretch part, right? Damian Jones is the flip side of that. He's not big, but boy, can he jump, right? And that athleticism and that ability to run and rim run and get downhill on a ball screen and then has a little touch of that stretch five component that started to emerge last year. He went 10 for 29, I believe on threes on you know limited attempts but it's something that similar to Bryant right that he may skew more in one direction but if you need him to he can add this to his game and so collectively I think that 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 both guys should and will play and that's uh gives us a signal toward alongside with Darvin Ham coming and we've seen some of his uh coaching concepts in summer league so far but Ham comes from a team D that they are the biggest one of the biggest teams in the league and they emphasize protecting the rim to uh, uh an almost exaggerated degree but it's being big being physical protecting the rim in a different way than a Frank Vogel style type of team would but the center position and the guys that we brought in there in particular really signal signal to me that we're going to be a much bigger team on the floor th- this year i agree that size and just in general shifting back towards just bigger dudes who are going to be out there and can do a variety of things on both sides of the floor. That's definitely, it seems from an outsider perspective, at least that seemed to be on the front of the minds of the decision makers who have put this roster together. So let's go to break here. And when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the individual games of the guys rather than on some of these general trends with the roster construction. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, Pete, Walker the fourth, Lonnie Walker. He was the guy who I think was most surprising to me just because every other player that was signed sort of slots nicely into this idea that Mike mentioned, right? As like, hey, this dude can be a version of a player who we've seen before and was contributing to a previous team. It's not a perfect fit, but like the similarities are there. Walker to me is. He's sort of a flyer, right? On like a guy who was a mid first round pick. He's played for a good organization. He has some pedigree, but he wasn't necessarily a name that was maybe even in the top five or six guys that I had considered an option for this position because I was looking more at classic three and D guys and so he he was also d he was also kind of late in the game unrestricted right so he wasn't someone that i think was quite as like on the radar like because usually restricted guys don't don't move as much so he was kind of a late comer on the free agent market the spurs waved him after they made the Dejounte murray trade right and kind of signaling the direction that they were going in and they were gonna have more picks they were gonna have more young guys and so he was one of those they renounced his rights or or, uh, was that yeah was that what it was officially? Yes, he would have been a restricted free agent, Mike. And so, and his qualifying offer was right around the same amount of money that is the taxpayer mid-level exception, right? And so for Walker in terms of a contract is probably a wash, um, but he was sort of like Kendrick Nunn last year, actually, where he very late in the free agent process, um, the Miami Heat renounced his rights. And that made him available for the Lakers to sign for their, again, their tax level, mid-level exception last season. So, Pete, I want to kick it to you back here, though, just in terms of Walker, because he was not on my radar originally. Um, I was, again, looking at more classic 3 and D sort of guys, guys who would slot in just more naturally. 
And Walker, I think, is someone who had a pedigree of someone who might be like, hey, if not a go to scorer, then like um, maybe a shot creator who could do some things off of the bounce, high flyer in transition. A lot of like a broader skill set that you don't typically associate with like a three and D guy. And so talk to me about Walker and A, were you surprised? And B, what do you see in his skill set that you think is a good match for the LeBron AD pairing, especially, but even around some of the other role guys that the team has assembled. Yeah, I think I think we'll get more specifically into Walker's game and how he fits in a little bit uh, a little bit later. But in with respect of where Walker fits in with the overall free agent market, I think is an interesting yeah. discussion. The the same the, this past season went sideways early enough to where we were sending our text uh, lists of our free agent options and who we were looking at and all that. Right, and it was interesting to see that play out. And on on my board in particular. I was seeing guys go off the board. It's hard to project like, you know, oh, this guy's a taxpayer MLE guy. This guy's a full MLE guy. This guy's a vet min in some instances. And so you see guys go off the board. It's like, yeah, that guy was number one on my board because he's getting paid $11 million now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes. he's number one because he's that caliber of, of player. Well, right, he, Mike? The one the trend, though, that I think you pointed out and we all really was sort of obvious as it evolved, just that there are so few free agents now that all the guys that you would slot into the into a certain money category got more than that. Right. Or at least, even if it's just a little, like the difference between, you know, like a mini mid guy got the full mid, that type of thing, right? Or or got a second year player option, those type of things. Where To the point where the guys that we were putting up there just really weren't available, uh, I, I guess is the way that I would have put it. So with respect to the three and D wings, right? And that whole idea, the wings generally were not good in this free agent class beyond a certain point. And so there were two of them, though, that went ahead of or that went for the same price point that Walker did in Otto Porter Jr. and Bruce Brown. OPJ is one where I think that like health in particular is something that's important to us. Like our MLE signing last year didn't play a single game. Right. And as you said, with themes earlier, D, like everybody was even a guy like JTA, like he's a very young 29 and how he plays is the way that like a mid or young 20s guy does in the and I mean that as a compliment from a motor and a, he was man, he had me fired up in today's interview. He was talking about being an everyday guy. I was like, oh, man, put me in coach. Like, yeah, I was, I was the cameraman for. Yeah, I was the cameraman for that. So I was in the room and I'm like, after, you know, he was done, we could stop. I'm like, yeah, let's go, man. Like, I'm like, you had me all fired up. So he's got that same verve, right, for the game um, that that younger players players do. Um, But to contrast that, like, we don't, like I said uh, earlier in the show, we don't have anybody that kind of has that playoff track record. I've seen Otto Porter Jr. play well in the playoffs. I've seen Bruce Brown play well in the playoffs. And so... Those were guys that those were the guys that I had ahead that went for the same price point. Now, like OPJ's wife is from Toronto. You know, there's there's all sorts of, you know, you don't know what goes on goes on there. But beyond that, I don't look at the I didn't look at anybody else uh, and and be like that person, that player is going to be there for you in the playoffs. So take a take a flyer on a guy, Mike, that you had in a couple of years ago for a draft workout, right? A guy that, that you'd like internally um, that 
you know, that you see what he can be, put him next to a LeBron and an AD and see what he can do off of that. So I would have preferred one of the guys that I've seen be there before. OPJ, maybe he physically he doesn't hold up, but I think there's an argument for that. But that's kind of where I'm at with the the Walker signing. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I think that as the summer goes on, we'll have more time to get individually into their games. But one thing that stood out to me about Walker is when you're preparing to play the Spurs last year, and or going into those games and you see Walker catch the ball and be ready to shoot. He he has that confidence in the feeling where as an opponent, I felt like the ball was going to go in. And then you look at his shooting percentage and early in the season, he couldn't hit anything. He was, he shot 29.4% on 4.7 attempts per game before the all-star break. But then he found his range. You know, so he shot 37% on six attempts after the break. And that's only around, you know, 18 to 20 games or something like that. It's a, it's a smaller sample size, but I asked him about this and he he basically said, I always, what's the right way to phrase this? So he's, I'll just read the quote. I kid you not, leave me open, you're going to see what happens. So he really feels like he's a shooter. And again, not like a little bit in the Nick Young way, right? To an extent, a little <laughs> bit in the Malik Monk way. Those guys I thought shot higher percentage. But so I'm I'm curious about that, but he hasn't had the consistency, right? With the shot, nor defensively. Um, that like he's going to have to show that next year. And so I'm actually I'm a little bit more even intrigued in terms of playing time by Troy Brown Jr. Um, We can get to that in a second. But but please, if if you want to weigh in on Walker a bit more, either one of you after that, go ahead. I think the point that you were making, Pete, about the way that the market went is definitely an angle that that deserves more play. And that's important context. Right. And. I also think the idea of um, of getting <laughs> sorry, my lights went out. I'm in the car. Yeah, um, uh, Darius is stuck in the car. But yeah, Darius is, is a trooper, man. He he's in a car in a garage somewhere in Toronto, Canada, trying to make this happen. None of this we've been off for a few days, so it doesn't matter. And it, what okay. was that, Mike? I was. Are you at Drake's house? I am not at Drake's house. Magic dropped right. me off the yacht to do oh, this. Yeah. Yacht season, is, yacht season <laughs> right? is, is begun, bro. It's Right. There was no Wi-Fi there for some reason. It kept crashing. <laughs> so I'm sorry. We were totally talking about Walker. So I think one of the other things that, that was a market factor as well is that not only were some guys getting paid a little bit more than what I thought they might get on the market, but they were also getting more years on the market. Right. And so one of the themes is the mm-hmm. Lakers coincidentally they all are on one-year deals, basically. And there's reporting that's been out there around the idea of potentially not wanting to take on more long-term money. And I'm not saying Walker was the only guy who would have taken a one-year deal, but all of these other guys did get two-year deals. And even if the second year mm-hmm. is a player option, that's still, that's what Kendrick Nunn Those has. Those have value. Yes, and Those Kendrick Nunn opted, he opted right into his player option this And if he didn't season. have that, he'd probably be getting a vet minimum contract, or, right? So like this, that's a great example of like the actual value of, of a player option. And this is why I was trying to look at it really in the five guys to Pete that we saw in person today that we talked to today and in, in that those five guys add up that money together. Right. And you get like barely, you know, 10, whatever, a little bit over 10 million or something like that, like that. So that as a group for that money, I didn't Walker may not have even have been the guy, right. That I would have given that to based on previous track record, but in the context of who was available and who they got for vet men's, uh, it, it made a lot more sense for me. I, I get that. I also think that, 
with such a top heavy build that are like four, five, and six are when you're paying that much to your top three, right? And we'll see yeah. what happens with Russ. But regardless, th- that's going to shake out in a similar structure, most likely. Like the times, the chances that you have to get like a legit rotation, like, yes, that guy can do it at the highest levels of basketball are fairly few and far between. So like, I agree. And like collectively, I'm like, I'm really happy with, with the direction that we went. And I think we had a really strong free agency. It's just that I said, remember I said a while back, we got to hit on a lot of different things in order to get to where we want to go. That's one place where, and and maybe Walker's the kind of guy that, he can get buckets off of the bench, but he's still six four. He's not Malik Monk size, right? He's got a little bit to him where he there's a little more where it's like, yeah, maybe you're able to stick on the court as a guard in a higher level game. But seeing guys go by the wayside that that I've seen do it before, D, that was that that's something that just not takes it down a notch for me a little bit. The last point I wanted to make about Walker is that it's very rare that you're going to get a high level starter with the tax mid-level exception. And so I think Lakers fans have a general expectation that this is this is our main spending power in the offseason, and that needs to generate an important rotation player or a starter caliber guy. And that's just not always going to happen, right? Like, So Otto Porter, I think, is a great example of this. He did end up starting finals games for the Warriors. I thought Steve Kerr did that, though, in order to better align his rotation so that Kevon Looney and Draymond Green got the minutes that he wanted them to get separately, right? And so Porter... At the right time, right? right? So Porter might have been the seventh or eighth best guy on the team, but he's still getting the starting nod on that. And Porter didn't start for most of the regular season, right? And so... I think people thought that, oh, well, he could have come in and been a starter for the Lakers. And yeah, I think that that's right. If there were potential health concerns, though, because last year was the first year in a while that Porter had actually remained healthy. And part of that probably was because he wasn't playing 30 minutes a night and having to carry the the load that, that he did. So that's just the last point I wanted to make about Walker. If he could play... 22 to 26 minutes a night and potentially not even in a starting role that may be what you get for the taxpayer mid-level and that's expected return and so i i sort of forget what his production is i i sort of just wanted to to state that idea out there and just make sure that we're calibrating our expectations correctly that just because this was the main thing that the lakers had to use in order to sign a player that that doesn't necessarily mean that oh well this is their third best player now or their fourth best player now because that's not necessarily how this stuff works all the time let's take another break and when we come back let's talk about the roster as a whole when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I remember last year uh, going into the season and and at a similar point, one of the first instincts that you had, D, was like, we need a four. We need a guy who's a a forward, that guy between LeBron and AD. And that's something that 
bore out over the course of the season that our lack of uh, of four or even and we saw that our fives were not particularly good and so we needed a four or a five that's that spells trouble i'm curious let's start with you mike is there anything we're i feel like we're in kind of this in-between stage and i think that the building of this roster will happen over time even all the way up to the trade deadline and the buyout market next year, right? So there's a kind of a gradual progressive thing. But when you look at this roster as a whole, is there anything that stands out to you like we need this kind of guy or we need this type of or we have too much of this or too little of that? Well, other than LeBron and AD, I don't know if there's still that four or five type player, like that additional four or five type player. Like you could see Toscano Anderson you know, really scaling up in certain small lineups, but more likely, especially if it's a key lineup, then you're going to have LeBron and AD on the floor anyway. And then that defensively becomes more like your four or five. So, you know, same thing, I think, with Troy Brown Jr. Thomas Bryant, you know, how well is he going to move his feet on the perimeter? That's that's really probably, he's more like playing the five defensively there. Same thing with Jones. And then AD is essentially playing the four. So, you know, th- that to me is still a spot where you're not really where you were um, a couple of years ago, but since you do have LeBron and AD, if they're healthy, one of those guys throughout the whole game um, can play in that kind of a spot. And I, I don't want to go off of your direct question, but I do. I am very intrigued by one of these guys we talked to today, and it's and it's Brown um, Jr. So just a quick couple thoughts on him. He's 23 in the end of July, so like today he's 22. But to start next season, he's still only going to be 23. 15th overall pick in 2018. Had some decent moments. I think people kind of forget in Washington because nobody watched that team and he didn't particularly stand out. He didn't necessarily play a ton, but he's got a little bit more to his game. Uh, like he can he can handle the ball a little bit, maybe even be a secondary creator if he needed, like a point forward type thing. But he got to the Bulls last year um, who had a lot of depth on the wings, like not just DeRozan and Levine, but then Caruso, right, would come in. So they basically told him, hey, I like – just three and D that's what we want you to do. And he did it pretty well. Now, 16 minutes off the bench, he shot the three for the season, um, 35%. And that was with, that was struggling early. And then he shot 43% after the break. So I'm, I I just like the gamble on somebody like that. Who's, you know, 22 again, turning 23, Mm -hmm. he's six, six, he's shown some chops defensively. Um, He, he's kind of understands. And I'm, that type of player to me, while not going to be being talked about, because again, he's not a very well-known player league wide. I'm just curious and I'm, and, and I'm interested and I'm going to be, I'm going to be wondering how he looks in, in certain lineups next to LeBron and AD if he gets that chance. So I wanted to get that one off my chest and I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you guys are as curious about Brown as I am. I am. I think he was uh, a DN three signing uh, at the guard wing spot. Like I think that when I think of, wings i think that there are kind of different types of wings and this is the smallest version of them actually no the caruso types are the smallest version right but the brown is a guy when you asked him yeah kcp right uh and brown you asked him about his uh you asked a couple guys this i I loved that that was your recurring question today about like how they see themselves defensively and their role and brown uh very was probably the most specific answer. And he was like, I like guarding smaller guards. Like I like using my length and physicality to get up into guys like that. And that was something that really caught my ear because when I looked at this roster D, that's something that we have a lot of guards and, but not a lot of guys who can like really pressure the ball and are those defensive, like 
we don't have a lot of guards where playing defense is the primary thing that they do and that it's what they're known for. And I think we need a guy like that, specifically one that can ball pressure. Now, THT is a guy that is capable of that. We'll see what, what ends up happening with him. But that like on a team that I still think has a lot of guards, we don't have a lot of guard defenders. And so Brown speaking up and in, in saying that Mike, in that I, I'd like to do that. I think in the context of Ham, who's probably going to want some bigger, more physical lineups, I think Brown at the two is something that we'll probably discuss more as time goes well, by. So to kick this to Darius, I, I do ask that question for a reason, right? Cause I, I like to think of that as, can you stay on the floor in certain lineups, right? By, mm-hmm. by so like, hey, let's say Darvin Ham likes the size of Brown. He's shooting the he's shooting the ball well in my sort of range of somewhere between thirty three and forty, you know. And and how can he hang on the floor? Like, can he scale up some if he needs to? Which is something that KCP didn't do great, but Danny Green did do great. Can he scale mm-hmm. down some? Which is something KCP did do great. Like, so that's the kind of thing that I'm always thinking about with Brown and Darius. I just I'm, I'm not trying to immediately sick Brown into the starting lineup or into the rotation. Um, it's just a, it's a piece that, and it's, he's got the size, he's got some of the pedigree and he's got some of the skill set that I like. And that I think that, uh, that around certain players, mainly LeBron and AD can have some real value. So that's, that's where I was trying to go with that. And of course, now, like you say, Darius, now, you know, now you got to show me. Yeah. I'm intrigued by Brown. Um, I'm intrigued by all of the signings. I'm also intrigued by how they might mix and compete with the guys who are holdover players. Yeah. And what that potentially means for the holdover players and what that means, not only if they stay, but how that might promote ideas about if they're more available to be moved for a different fitting piece. Pete started off this section of the pod with the question of like, is there anything that stands out? that might be missing and i mean we talked a lot guys about a skill guard during the off season and like something that we'd like to see and that has not been addressed the lakers have i think 13 players now under contract for next season and then that's not counting the two-way guys Right. Um, And maybe we'll have a whole pod about the two way guys. Right. Because they've been showing a little something themselves during the initial part of Summer League, uh, the California Classic. But there's not a lot of pull up shooting on this team. There's still a lot of guys who aren't necessarily great at creating jump shots like for themselves. Right. And that's a skill that I think is going to be ever more important as you transition LeBron maybe to be not all of the time, but more of an off-ball worker, like a screener, someone who can pick and pop or pick and roll, and the guy who doesn't have to handle the ball so much on on every possession. And I know that we've mentioned Russell Westbrook's name a couple of times, and that's there's a big TBD on, on what's going to happen with him out there. But the roster right now is 13 players deep. And in theory, the Lakers have typically liked to carry only 14 players. And so in theory, they could add like one more guy in free agency. And you would have to think like this will be the team going into the season, like until it's not. 
right? And I think it's more appropriate to think of the team that way than to continue to hope that there's going to be some massive change or shift and then that not happen. And you're like, okay, well, this is the team. Like, we should have been thinking that from the beginning. And and, and so I'm still interested in in skill guard play and who, if anyone on the roster, is going to make any sort of leap in that area. And I would I would say that the the there are three candidates to me. Like one of them is THT. He's a ball handler. He does some work off of the dribble. He's a natural sort of shot creator. The other guy is Kendrick Nunn. We didn't see much of him at all last season, only in preseason, and that was it. But he has a history of playing a little bit of that style with with the Miami Heat. And the other guy is Austin Reeves right, who did a lot of ball handling and shot creation in college, but was more of an off-ball worker and did some ball handling late in the season for the Lakers as as a rookie. And, and so I'm looking at the overall composition of the roster, Pete, and I'm sort of thinking about, okay, well, who's going to handle the ball when LeBron James and Anthony Davis don't? And who's going to create the types of shots that then help facilitate more success from LeBron and AD rather than always the opposite, right? Because as those guys age, there's something you do want to help compensate for them and and, and accommodate them in ways to, to help promote their success and not just always rely on their success, even though we do acknowledge, like Mike always does, that like they are the engine. I do think that a trade is the most likely way to address that. But of the guys you mentioned to me, clearly that's Kendrick Nunn that has that type of skill set, right? To be able to step up, to shot, to create shots for himself, to get to the rim and finish, um, who can shoot threes. Who And we just did not get to see him play last year. And I haven't actually asked if he's, is he like doing everything right now? Is he 100% healthy? Like, I, I don't know that yet, right? That's, so that's something that I had meant to follow up with Darvin Ham um, in that piece that I did with him last week and just didn't get to. But, Pete, that's, that's where my m- mind went first in terms of that kind of the guy that you and, and Darius have been talking a lot about um, that, you know, where you could barely get my focus away from a two-way wing. But, yes, if, if pulled there, <laughs> then I got to go to Kendrick Dunn. <laughs> For sure. And that is, I mean, I guess the clearest example is – Gosh, and even then, remember when Rondo just balled out in the bubble? Like yeah. when Rondo was playing well, like it just changed that team in ways where it, it's just a different team when you have a legit guard that can do legit guard things. And even then, he's not that pull up jumper type of threat, right? But I do think that this team, I think we're kind of scarred by the horrendous shooting of last year's team. And really, last year, we had a choice where we could either be have NBA size on the floor. Or we could shoot. It was very hard. There was, and this was always the narrow path I was always talking about, where it's like, all right, Wenyon comes in. Wenyon is 6'9 and can eh, sort of shoot, right? Like, that's all we needed, but we had so many guys on the floor who either were complete non shooters or were poor relative to their position. And when we put the guys who could really put the ball in the basket on the floor, it's like, oh, well, Mello's at the five now. Now you've just created a completely different massive problem on on the floor, right? And so I am much more optimistic about this team because there's nobody on this roster right now that cannot shoot a three. That's not to say that they're 
good at it relative to their position. But all of the guys that we brought in, there's not like a 26% three-point shooter, right? And even even the fives, and the fives to me, I was saying going into free agency guys, that they were kind of the pivot point, no pun intended, but they were the pivot point for me in terms of like what kind of roster that we build. And that having one guy who that's his emphasis and he can roll, and then another guy who's the mirror image of that, who's great at rolling, but and can it has a developing pop game like to me that changes the geometry of the floor in a way where like i think we're just going to be much more competent as a shooting team because even we can kick off the sequence mike we, we got space for the drivers to drive and you at least like we have guys mike that if you leave them wide open all alone troy brown was like i'm gonna knock down that corner three you know like these are shots that those are the types of shots that you need those guys to hit on a regular basis and i think we got those guys and just a quick look at the most recent big move in the nba Minnesota gives up basically five firsts and for the right to pay Rudy Gobert up to 46 mil four years from now when they already have another center. Right. And and just thinking about roster build. Right. Which is which was part of your earlier larger question. Well, if you can just get me two vet min bigs who can shoot threes, who can roll to the rim, who you can who can defend the paint Mm -hmm. decently in, in terms of of. Uh, Jones, like I, Bryant, I, I think we need to see more. He just hasn't played that much since being healthy off of the ACL. He's like 29 games last year. Um, he says that he feels 100% healthy, and I want to see that. But again, the point being with the roster build, your two stars that you're paying all the big money to, and of course, Westbrook fits in in a different way, but I just, that's such a different build to me. It just gives you so many more it options. Is. And to have yes. those bigs, like this is more of the way of the modern NBA. And we even just saw it in the finals, right? With a, with Robert Williams, who's making more than the vet men, but is that type of player. And with Kevon Looney, who last year with what he was making, like that to me, Darius is still the optimal way to build, uh, to build a roster. And the Wolves are zagging. I'm curious to see what it looks like. Um, but that's, that's even aside from giving away all the picks it's got to be something that's proven that works on a playoff level when you devote that kind of resource to the center position. Yeah, or even just when you decide you're going to pay a player a lot of money in the first place. And I think that this is the lesson that the Lakers are reevaluating as we speak, right? They've got three very high high-priced players on on their roster right now. Two of them are championship proven and one of them is not. And the one who is not is the player that there's soul searching going around right now around like what is the best decision to make around this player and how do you build out a roster that is going to accommodate him if he's on the roster or how do you build a roster that's going to accommodate potentially his replacement? One of the themes from our pods um before free agency was and Pete you were hammering this point a lot I feel like is you can account for Russell Westbrook with the players that you sign and by doing that you can also account for LeBron James and Anthony Davis yes and I, thought, I think we did that I, I'm so glad you brought that up yeah and I thought the Lakers did that about as well as they could if you look at so yes. just going back to Russell Westbrook here for a second because he's on the team right now he's on the team and so i just want to make this point thomas bryant's a pick and pop big right or a guy who can capably space above the break and to the corner that fits into the style that darvin ham wants to play but it fits into a style of play that's going to help russell westbrook as a driving player Mm -hmm. he has a 
pick and roll big who is a viable lob threat, but is also light on his feet in Damian Jones. The light on his feet part is super important because one of the things that the Lakers bigs were having trouble with last year was A, setting a good screen, but B, getting out of that screen in with in the proper timing and with the right roll angle in order to facilitate a a decision for well and the also just the big. proper speed right yeah, like yes. russ would be at the basket when dwight dwight would just be starting to roll you know and it doesn't line up jones will be getting downhill at the same speed if if those two start the season and and so you think about then the transition opportunities that exist and all of that. And so I'm not saying that you that the Lakers have successfully built a roster in order to accommodate Russell Westbrook, because I, I don't want to say that at all. I'm saying, though, that the skill sets that they have acquired with these specific sets of players, I think that they complement currently the team's highest paid players right now. And I think they're going to be Agreed. useful to LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis. And if he's still here, I think they're going to be useful to Russell Westbrook, too. And that should have been the the first two names on on that list. That's who you're building the team for. Right. But if the third guy on that list is still on the team, I'm glad that these players also accomplished that goal too. And, and so from that perspective, when you said, Pete, like, I think the Lakers have had a, a successful offseason to this point, that's the main driver for my thought process behind agreeing with you on that specific point there. Yeah. And I, like, I don't think it's over. Um, right. I think there's a lot to still transpire within that, but I think we have a lot of flexibility, uh, in large part because we added athleticism and defense and the kind of guys that can play in a lot of different environments. So, uh, I'm excited to get into everyone. We're going to progressively over, over the next few weeks, kind of get into every player individually. I've got a lot of tape to watch for sure. Um, but, and we'll be back tomorrow. It's just good to be back in general. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. It will. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shaq with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen! It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! with a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James. 
putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.